0: Coming up on today's WAC podcast, we talk with Kyle McDonald, the editor in chief of WAChoopsDigest.com.
1: Kyle is always breaking news on Twitter. We tease him about that quite a few times in this podcast <laughs> episode, but we're talking Trev Queen, we're talking NBA draft, we're talking New Mexico State Aggies 2 and where they're going to play now that they can't play in New Mexico. A lot coming up in this segment. It's definitely a good one.
0: Yeah, this will be a good show. We have a lot to talk about and only eight days away from college basketball season getting started. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast.
2: Today's episode of the WAC podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel V. Hill. What's
1: going on, everybody? Eric Danner, Rachel V. Hill, back in the WAC Digital Network studios in Denver, Colorado. Eric, happy to be back.
0: Yeah, happy to be back, uh, Rachel. It's November 17th and uh, only eight days away it's from the here. magical date of November 25th. and you know, there's been a lot of news this week. We saw Rick Patino, who's now coaching at Iona, came out and said, "Well, they they should just move the basketball season to March and then play the championships in May." Um, but uh, we've also seen the NCAA come out and say basketball starting November 25th. So. We have games scheduled November 25th, some pretty good ones, too. So we are looking forward to that. Whack Digital Network's going to be back up and running. I know. Uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, we had a, a meeting earlier today going over all the video stuff. So that'll be exciting to see some of those games and uh, some big road games, probably bigger road games in terms of playing power five opponents that first night mm-hmm. ut rgb at texas and utah valley is, is playing at stanford and uh, cbu is playing at usc so those are all power five schools so we're going to get into that a little bit more with the uh, kyle mcdonald who's going to be our guest for the first time in our next segment he's the editor-in-chief of whack hoops digest
1: yes he is always breaking news i feel like but we talk a little bit with him about that and how he does it responsibly. So yes. I always hop on Twitter and I'm like, oh, okay, what's going on here? What's going on here? Um, and reading all of his tweets. So good conversation there. But before we really get into November 25th, let's talk NBA draft coming up <laughs> yeah, on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Former New Mexico State Guard Trev Queen projected to be drafted.
0: Depending what you look at, uh, Rach, and I think uh, there's a lot of. Uh, misinformation maybe that goes out this time of year from nba teams if they're interested in a player not interested in a player because maybe they secretly covet someone Mm -hmm. and they want to be able to take him in the second round as opposed to the first round but traveling queen definitely his name is in the mix so even if he doesn't get drafted uh chances are he's going to sign with an nba team after the
1: draft g league possibly work his way up and he's somebody who has Worked through adversity his entire career, so best of luck to him. Another name is Guard Milan Aqua, player of the year last year from CBU. Um, not sure if we will see his name be called on Wednesday night, but I will expect to see him playing basketball somewhere.
0: Yeah, Milan's uh, obviously Trev Queen's what about six six? Milan's uh, about six one, I believe six two. Kind of more 6'2". of a, a point guard type. Um, played you know a good friend Alonzo Ball who showed up at the CBU uh, campus a couple of years ago but uh, played at Washington State his first year and uh, definitely was a great player in the whack the past two seasons so it'll be interesting to see if he gets that opportunity uh, in the NBA as well but yeah you're probably right we have not seen his name mentioned as much as a draft pick but then I'm also told that uh, back in 2016 not everybody was told that Pascal Siakam would be drafted in the first round or even in the second round and not only was he drafted in the first round I mean he's gone on to be an all-star and signed this huge contract last
1: year yeah I definitely worked out for him and maybe it is kind of in that favor of your name's not exactly huge you end up signing with the team and then you end up making this big name for yourself so you never really know what it's gonna end up being and I think that's what makes the game of basketball and just sports in general so much fun
0: and sometimes when you're drafted later you're going to a better team yep. than if you're drafted higher but obviously if you're drafted higher you get more money but uh
1: you know well, you well rings are well, the money and then I guess well <laughs> rings probably equal more money too so lots of <laughs> lots up in the air there but Another huge topic has been New Mexico state and their basketball program and where they're going to be playing this year. New Mexico's um, on very strict guidelines with COVID. So right now it looks like there's talk about them possibly playing in Las Vegas, Phoenix area, kind of all over.
0: Right. And uh, the New Mexico Lobos are also in the same situation. They're the only two division one schools in the state and, uh, New Mexico State, I think we talked uh, about it last week on the show about potentially practicing in El Paso, which is just mm-hmm. about 40 minutes away. Apparently that's off the table now. Uh, they, the places being mentioned, Tucson, Phoenix, and Las Vegas. The UNM football team, the Lobos football team has already had to move. They, did, they moved to Henderson, Nevada, the entire football program mm-hmm. for the year or for the season. And they're playing their home games at UNLV. And uh, we're, we're Talk with Kyle McDonald about that as well but $70,000 a week for the football team obviously the basketball team I don't think would cost as much but you're also talking about men's and women's you yes, can't sure. just have the men's team go you have to have the women's team go as well and try to figure out uh, arenas and practice locations so even if they Wait, say
1: so exactly
0: many um, where they're housed you know I, yeah. I assume in a hotel but I mean having an agreement worked out meals I mean okay. you were in a bubble. Uh, this past uh, summer, Rachel, and you know, how everything that you do, basically, the Rapids had to pay for in terms of meals and hotel. And I I don't think they sent you a bill at the end, but I got to (laughs) imagine just having one person for three or four weeks, that probably had to be quite a bit of money.
1: Yeah. And, you know, trying to rotate out different meals, and we ate salmon and chicken (laughs) for almost every single meal. So I can't even imagine trying to do that for basketball teams. And I was only there for three and a half weeks down in Orlando with the Rapids. And, you know, you're looking at a couple of months for these basketball teams to possibly be away from home, you know, be away from their friends and not having the fans in the stadium either. I mean, I feel like there's just so many things that go into it. But at at the end of the day, I think all of these athletes just want to play the game of basketball. So they're willing to do whatever it'll take.
0: They do. And then you also wonder, um, maybe, you know, at the beginning of the year, maybe, New Mexico, that laxes the restrictions a mm-hmm. bit, and maybe they can move. But who knows? I mean, we're just speculating here. Yeah. But I know Mario Mocha has been uh, talking with all kinds of uh, folks. Uh, they've been talking with the state legislature and the mm-hmm. the uh, the governor's office, and and same with UNM. So. Uh, very rare you see uh, the uh, Lobos and Aggies uh, kind of working together, <laughs> but this is one of those rare occasions.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been one. And, you know, the student athletes even had all reached out to their governor to see what they could possibly get done using their voice there. Um, but, yeah, I think they're just going to have to move. So it'll be interesting to see where the Aggies end up and, you know, possibly even maybe at GCU. I guess we'll have to see if they <laughs> share an arena else. or something. But um, on that note of GCU men's basketball, they announced their non-conference schedule a few big names on there, San Francisco, Colorado, playing in Vegas at a tournament. Um, and then another one also is the Arizona State game, which I know a lot of fans were looking forward to. Yeah,
0: and that's, a, that's one that uh, ASU, I don't believe, has played GCU, even though they're in the same city. There was kind of a, a war of words, if you will, between the two schools about, <laughs> you know, GCU at uh, one time was a four pay uh, institution. They have since, I think, changed that. And uh, ASU, uh, coached by Bobby Hurley. Uh, Long before your time, Rach, but uh, (laughs) a great uh, player at Duke and then he was at Buffalo when they had a good run in the NCAA tournament. So uh, I'm sure uh, that'll be one. Hopefully we'll see some fans in there. That's scheduled for December 13th right now, a Sunday, Arizona State at GCU.
1: I'm sure they want the Havocs in there to create some Havoc. Uh, Yeah, I know a lot of fans, too, were questioning if that matchup was going to happen, and they were worried that it wasn't with the cancellation of COVID, so I'm really glad that they were able to get it, because that'll be a fun one to watch, whether you're in person or watching it on TV, too.
0: (laughs) And just two days before that, they have Nevada coming in, and Nevada uh, coached by uh, Steve Alford, I believe, right now, uh, who coached at UNM so it's all ties in together somehow but uh, Nevada is one of the top teams in the nation last year they did lose that San Diego State game that initially uh, on their schedule but uh, they're also grambling on November 25th Mississippi Valley State Prairie View A&M and then you mentioned San Francisco and the University of Colorado in that uh, Las Vegas and that's at T-Mobile Arena so again you'd like to see fans there but uh, be nice to play there too.
1: Yeah absolutely a huge stadium or arena there and I feel like once you walk into that, you kind of get this, like, anticipation, right? Even if there aren't fans, you're still walking into such a huge arena, and hopefully it's just a good game. But uh, on another note, congratulations to Idaho's Katie Hale, who was named the Ticket Smarter Western Athletic Conference winner swimmer of the week.
0: Yeah, she's a junior from Park City, Utah. She uh, dominated in the pool with three individual wins for the Vandals. And again, Idaho is one of those schools that's an affiliate member of the whack in women's swimming. So congratulations to Katie Hill. So we have uh, some teams competing. Also Seattle U uh, had some competitions going on this past week in swimming. Uh, Danica Himes earned first place in the 200 individual medley, 100 breast and 200 breast. So uh, it, we, we have swimming. Uh, I, I think it's official now that uh, we're hoping to have the championships in February Dixie State uh, f- would host the Women's Championship. Mm-hmm. UNLV would be hosting the Men's Championship. And then the diving moves over to Northern Arizona. So the past few years, you've been in Houston. I was there mm-hmm. yep. the year before that. I think I might have been there two years. Feel- feels like I was there a few times. But um, anyway, the, uh, moving it to you know Dixie, which is now a WAC school. Yep. UNLV is, is an affiliate in men swimming. So the men would be at UNLV women at uh, Dixie. So that'll be, I mean, I'm excited to see it. Well, you know, we're again, crossing our fingers and toes and hoping everything goes, goes okay there. And those two uh, places aren't too far apart, only about two hours between uh, St. George and, and Las Vegas. So, that uh, that coming up in February, our yes. first championship of the year.
1: I know, and yeah, as long as things go as planned, fingers crossed, you can also be able to stream that on the WAC digital network or on ESPN Plus actually. ESPN Plus, yeah. Yes, very very true. ESPN Plus oh, early signing period.
0: Yeah, no, it was uh, November eleventh, and so if you look at all our schools' mm-hmm. websites and a, a lot of sports, a lot of different sports uh signing period, and it's been an interesting time. I mean, I have a a daughter who's in high school or, you know, has friends, not having that opportunity to really compete their junior year Mm
1: -hmm.
0: has kind of set them back in terms of, you know, film that they can send to schools or being recruited, but it doesn't seem to be slowing down uh, our coaches and, and signing
1: folks. How interesting though, would it be to be a student athlete and have to commit and probably never see the campus that you're going to go to? Like, I feel like you're not able to travel. You're not able to go walk around the campus. I'm sure you see videos, and I know the athletic departments are doing as much as they can to give them that full experience, but how you need to have to commit to something, and you may never actually see it in person.
0: Well, I did a uh, whack in the day this past week on Adam Scott, who uh, played golf at UNLV when they were in the whack in uh, men's golf, and he wound up winning the Masters in 2013, competed this past week, 19th consecutive time he competed in the Masters in the... So he only played two years at UNLV, but he was from Australia. And I read a story about how he got recruited to UNLV, never saw the campus. campus. Same thing. And back then, he didn't have the videos. I think it was 1999, his <laughs> first year. So he just based it on a brochure that was sent oh to Oh, my him gosh, by the mail mail. <laughs> and he was like, man, well, I mean, I'm sure they had probably pictures of the Las Vegas strip and yeah. all the beautiful golf courses they have there. And he winds up going there. So yeah, a former white golfer who was in the Masters, which again, talking about the Masters in November mm-hmm. is one of those mind blowing things, because it's always in April. I actually lived in Augusta when I was a kid for a, a short time. So that's like the biggest thing that ever happens yeah. in Augusta every year. And to see uh, see it in November and The the flowers aren't in bloom like they are in April where it's beautiful. But they had, you know, some of the trees were changing colors and that kind of stuff. So
1: still pretty. They make it look good. They do. They do. It's (laughs) pretty it's
0: and it's I actually had a chance to go one year and it's it's like going to church, is how I explained it. Mm-hmm. Because everything is perfect, like every blade of grass is perfect. you see guys out there cutting it with scissors. You know to make sure it's perfect.
1: Could you imagine that being your job? All right, Phil, <laughs> go get the scissors. This little patch of grass needs to yeah, help. That's
0: what they do. It, it is. It is amazing. I guess the National Golf Club, but uh, and then uh, golf. It, we're planning on in April, so yep. that'll be coming up as well. Uh, and I think we might have had some. I forget the sports that were part of that early national signing day, but uh, there's all kinds of different sports in that. And mm-hmm. We're going to talk a lot of stuff coming up uh, next with Kyle McDonald. He is the editor-in-chief of the uh, com. He's got a website, he's got a podcast, and he's always breaking news on Twitter, right?
1: <laughs> always breaking news <laughs> on Twitter. Definitely give him a follow. But yeah, Great segment coming up. Make sure you stay
2: tuned. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC Podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now, back to Eric and Rachel.
0: Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner and Rachel V. Hill here. We're now joined by Kyle McDonald, the editor-in-chief of WAC Hoops Digest. Kyle, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. I've kind of watched these podcast episodes, so I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, you're a podcast. I mean, this is the first time we've had somebody with a fancy microphone like you have there. Tell us about how you got started with the Whack Hoops Digest, and you do a podcast. You have a website. Tell tell us about your product there.
3: So it really started. Oh, what do I want to say? Two years in 2016, I started a website called OneTeamAllGreen.com. It was going to be about Utah Valley Athletics. I got to a point where I started doing a power rankings article in 2017-18 and i saw the traffic that i got from fans and fans outside of utah valley of course so i figured there's nobody that covers the whack in depth i mean greg mitchell at mid major madness writes his weekly you know article um there's feature articles written by beat writers for each school and so forth i figure why not have one site dedicated to whack hoops kind of like you know, there's other sites dedicated to other conferences or other teams. And I ran with it and started that last fall right before WAC media day. And I love it. I love the interactions I get with fans. I love the corrections. Sometimes I get on Twitter from fans, you know, with information and so forth and the opportunity to talk to coaches and players and, you know, it's awesome. And I, and I love it. And, um, you know, I love talking basketball. So it works out just fine.
1: I think we all know as content creators that sometimes it can be challenging, you know, to find stories, to find leads and stuff like that. But Cal, I will say you have done a phenomenal job of doing that. Uh, I, you know, I hop on Twitter and sometimes I see you talking about a story and I'm like, okay, well, wait, where's this mm-hmm. coming from? So what's your main source of trying to find all of these stories?
3: I think it's, that's a good question actually. Um, I think it's about connecting with people and respecting, you know, what they have to say, listening, paying attention. A lot of people don't do that. They just want to get the story out first. But if I get the, if I get the, how do I want to say this? If I pay attention to what's going on, it leads to other things. And so um, it's just about confirming things with sources, with people around the whack, and running with it rather than being the first person to get it out um, even though it's not confirmed yet, so we're I don't want to with be
0: down from uh WAC Coops Digest, their editor in chief. And Kyle, uh, with podcasts, we, we started up the WAC podcast during the pandemic once we got shut down in March and trying to figure out how to get content out to our fans and, and those kind of things. And, and this was a good way to do it, especially I live in Colorado Springs and Rachel lives in Denver. And now, uh, right now we're in, in the office uh, doing this, but uh. You have a podcast as well. It was was that some of the idea behind that uh, as kind of a, I guess, to lack of a better term, an easy way to uh, to get the message to fans?
3: Sure, absolutely. It's always good to have audio where you know fans can hear what coaches are saying or what players are saying or what's being talked about because a lot of times people don't want to read full articles. I mean, those are long. They take time. They're time-consuming. This gives people a chance to hear what people have to say. and. I think that's – I love talking more than I love writing. It's easier, um, even though I'm not real good at it. You know, I let <laughs> the other people do the talking. So – but it's great because I get insiders. Like I had Paul Coro on the Wacoop's Digest last night. Um, Justin Martinez, the New Mexico, beat, New Mexico State beat writer the other day. I've interacted with coaches, and the nice thing is when they – reiterate what the how they appreciate all I'm doing for the WAC and writing and covering them on a you know a large basis those are those are what make it special to be to be able to do those kind of things.
1: What's been your favorite story that you've been able to tell?
3: I still think about WAC Media Day last week or last year I mean excuse me when Lance Irvin was on the stage And he he had that quote, like it sticks with me all the time where he said something to the effect of, if you think you're as good, if you're as good as you think you are, why not come play for me and win championships, you know, at Chicago State and, you know, he knows the struggle there. And so just to have that mindset that like, this is what I want you to do when you're here, if you really think you're that good, it just sticks with me. And so that's one of my favorites. Um... Yeah, I'll just stick with that one. We love Coach
1: Irvin.
0: We do. We had Coach Irvin on last week, and uh, he, he always puts a smile on your face every time you talk to him. Now, speaking of having a smile on your face, uh, November twenty fifth coming up. We're recording this on November seventeenth, so only eight days away from the first day of college basketball. Date we circled a long time ago. I know a date you have circled as well, Kyle. Are there some matchups uh, day one that you're looking most forward to seeing?
3: So the the the, there's two that stand out utrgv is at texas so that's a big you know opportunity for utrgv to kind of make a statement i don't know if they'll win that game but the opportunity to play a power six conference opponent with who they have coming back in javon levi america east defensive player jeff O'Cherry. i mean that's an opportunity for them to show that they can play you know The other one that I'm really, really interested in is Utah Valley at Stanford. Mark Madsen goes back to his hometown or his, you know, alma mater. And his former coach, Mike Montgomery, is actually calling the game. So that'll be fun on the Pac-12 network. Plus, you have California Baptist at USC on the Pac-12 network that day as well. So there's... There are some intriguing games there, and and it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be nice to see college basketball is back, to be honest with you.
1: I cannot wait for college (laughs) basketball to be back. So I'm with you right there. Kyle, I mentioned earlier that I check Twitter, and sometimes I see you breaking stories, and one of them was about New Mexico State possibly not playing in the state of New Mexico. What details do you have on if the Aggies are relocating or not?
3: So interesting question. I was just told that there's going to be a press conference. Mario Mocha is going to have a press conference today at 3 p.m. to announce updates for that. The sources have told me that they're going to play on the GCU campus, but Justin Martinez says it wasn't confirmed yet whether they're going to play in Las Vegas or Phoenix. Could you imagine, though, having Grand Canyon and New Mexico State on the same campus for an entire season? I mean, that – but – it has to be done because New Mexico State, you know, is facing so many COVID restrictions in their home state, with you know the outbreaks and things like that, that has made it impossible to put a schedule together, made it impossible for them to practice. So I mean, they had to do something, and uh, we'll find out more at three p.m. You know, this afternoon.
0: Yeah, Rachel and I were talking in our previous segment how the University of New Mexico also in that same boat as New Mexico State, and they they're kind of isolated those two schools from basically the rest of the country because of the restrictions in New Mexico and not faulting anybody I mean we're all trying to be as safe as we can with this uh, deadly virus going around but the New Mexico football team has already moved to Henderson Nevada because they're uh, Mountain West decided to play this fall and and I know that was one of the places being talked about for New Mexico State as well.
3: Yeah I I think you know there was one thing I got a email from college ad i follow that account and get their newsletter that new mexico is paying seventy thousand dollars a week to stay in las vegas to play football right now and the ad from new mexico said that the money that they'll make from actually playing this season will help offset those costs um the, the problem with new mexico and new mexico state is there's not many division one schools in the state of new mexico like there is say in utah or california or arizona or texas where they can play an in-state schedule and not have any issues so i mean it, it wouldn't be surprising to see possibly both schools in las vegas at some point playing basketball this year
1: oh man 70 and then yeah, I, football players yeah. i can't even imagine but yeah tough well i want to hop back over to the basketball train real quick there uh trev queen from new mexico state Possibility of being drafted on Wednesday night with the NBA draft. Cal, what are your or what's your pick? Where do you think he'll land in the draft?
3: <laughs> From everything that I've seen, it, it, I was researching this yesterday. You know, everything that I've seen, some people have him being late second round. Some people have him just being undrafted and signing somewhere. Um, I hope to see him drafted in the, in the second round somewhere. I don't think it'll be a first round pick, but Either way, whoever gets Trevlin Queen, whether it's as a draft pick or as an undrafted free agent, they're going to get someone who's very athletic, can shoot the three, and can defend the perimeter. People don't give him enough credit, though, for his athleticism and his quickness and his ability to get to the rim. I mean, if you watch him, when he's on attack mode, he slices and dices a defense. Plus, he moves well without the ball. So, I mean, whoever gets him is getting a steal. I said the same thing about Leslie Varner from UTRGV, that whoever signs him to a professional contract is going to get a steal of a player because there's just so much talent and ability there. It's sad that some things come down to small little technical uh, attributes that they pay attention to that could cause somebody to drop from the first round to the second round or not even be drafted. But Trev Queen's a winner, too. I mean, somebody's going to take a chance, and somebody's going to realize that they've made a good investment.
0: Well, the last uh, WAC draft pick we had was in 2016 with Pascal Siakam, and that turned out pretty well, and that was before (laughs) Rachel and I were both with the WAC and just talking to people around here who were here during that time. It was, I guess, a little bit of a surprise that he went in the first round. Uh, We had Mario Mocha on on our podcast a few weeks back, and Asked about Pascal, and he, he thought he should have came back for another year because he left after his sophomore season. But, you know, who knows? I, I mean,
1: working for
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, the draft queen that he could, you know, maybe uh, maybe somebody has their eyes on him and maybe he does go first round or second round or undrafted. Milan Aqua, the other guy, uh, WAC Player of the Year last season, uh, left after his junior year to enter the NBA draft. One of 71 players that are available underclassmen. You know, a lot of those guys, I think, just put their name on the list just so they can be on the list. But Milan, obviously WAC player of the year, would uh, at least be on the radar of some teams. Have you heard anything about Milan potentially being drafted? I haven't both? heard
3: much about him. The most of the talk that I've seen has been about Trev Queen, obviously. I, I think Milan he's a he's a he's a uh, watching him, he's a true point guard that can score. But I don't know that. He's going to be in the NBA. He may, you know, be a G League guy, but if not, he may make more money going overseas and playing ball. But I, I I can honestly say I haven't heard much talk about him in regards to being drafted on Wednesday night. Most mock drafts don't have him in their, you know, their draft. So, you know, I I think he's either going to end up in the G League as an undrafted free agent, or he'll, you know, go overseas and make a lot more money than he probably could here in the states.
1: Well, kind of on the same page there. I would say with Milan, and again, hopefully Trevor Qu- or Trev Queen uh, can get drafted. We would love to see that name flash across the board there. But another look at basketball too is GCU new head coach under Bryce Drew. What have you noticed about the Lopes program so far that may be different on, than under Dan Marley?
3: They are going. GCU is going to have a lot of size. But let's, let's let's be honest right now. I mean, they brought in seven footer Asbjorn Midgard from Wichita State. You know, they got Alessandro Lever at 6'11". Uh, Dima Zador was just granted a waiver, uh, found out that this morning, and he's at 6'10", plus Bryce Drew is really high on Gabe McLaughlin, who transferred in prior to last season. Um, even though six 6'7", he's not that, you know, tall-wise, but I've been told he plays, you know, bigger than what his, you know, height is so they're going to be they're going to have a lot of size inside that's going to make things a little bit more difficult to guard them I I like what he's going to do I think it's going to be a different team because it's not going to be solely focused there's not going to be that one guy that has the ball in his hands at the end of games like they have the last couple years with Carlos Johnson or Dwayne Russell or Joshua O'Bron I think it's going to be a little bit more team oriented and talking to Paul Coral, that's kind of what he saw so uh, I, I I don't know that that there's gonna that they're gonna be able to get over the hump this year, but I think it's gonna be there's an opportunity there, especially with all the COVID nineteen restrictions that New Mexico State's been dealing with, where they're not really prepared fully yet for the 2020 21 season. So, plus Bryce Drew is a Cubs fan, so I mean I'm I'm gonna get along with him really well. I mean it, it's I'm I'm looking forward to that interaction with him as the you know as this season goes along and as he gets more comfortable in Phoenix.
0: Yeah, I see you flying the W over your <laughs> shoulder there.
3: My whole office is – all the walls are covered with Cubs, you know, <laughs> flags and signs and things like that. So, huge Cubs fan, even though we got some bad news today that Theo Epstein is stepping down as the oh. president of operations. and uh,
0: Breaking news.
3: Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> and then Tyson Miller – uh pitcher who played at CBU he played for the Cubs this year
3: yeah, it's fun to watch you know players come up and they they develop some good you know pitchers, but I don't know they need to get younger with the pitching, so maybe you know Tyson can be that youth movement that they need in in Chicago
0: now uh in addition to you know Bryce drew and some of the new coaches we have in the league two new teams we have Tarleton. Uh, with Billy Gillespie making a big splash, big name head coach, and Dixie State right there in the state of Utah where you live. What, what are you looking for from from our two new teams in the WAC?
3: Tarleton, I, I you know, when we were at WAC Media Days, what was it, two weeks ago, I loved what some of their players said. I mean, the one thing that sticks out to me is um, they're just hoopers that want to compete. I mean – that's a great mindset to have, especially if the at the first season of Division I era. Plus, they play Gonzaga, Texas AM, and Kansas. I mean, and those are just three that I know about. I don't know who else is on their full schedule because they haven't released it yet, but Billy Gillespie isn't shying away from playing anyone in the first year. And, you know, with his ties around the country and what he's done up to this point, I, I look forward to watching Tarleton grow. I don't know how successful they'll be in their first year, but the fact that he has a lot of guys he brought over from Ranger College, where he was last year, on his roster, that are familiar with him. You know that that says that they're they're comfortable with each other. They understand the system. They understand what they're trying to do. And I think he'll be they'll be successful throughout the season. John Judkins at Dixie, I. I The guy is a winner. Plus, he's played and coached at every level of college basketball. He understands what's going on. He may have a chip on his shoulder because he's trying to, you know, win more games than his brother who coaches the women's team at BYU. Um, But I like that team because they returned four guys that played a lot of minutes last year. Frank Stain, the point guard, started every game for them last year. Days in Youngblood is back. Hunter Schofield is back. And the big guy – He need to find his name now. Jared Green, who was on WAC Media Days, is back. So they have pieces in place from a team that won 20-plus games last year in the RMAC. So I look forward to those two teams. I think they're going to add more credibility to this conference as they go along. Plus the Burns Arena down in St. George is probably one of the best venues in the WAC now, along with CBU, GCU Arena, and the Pan Am. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I think they're going to make this conference very, very competitive. I don't know if they'll have the same success in their first years as CBU did when it came in, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did either.
1: Another team with a lot of new faces is Utah Valley. It's men's basketball team. <laughs> 17 new faces there. Kyle, what's one area that you think the Wolverines will improve with in the second season under Coach Katson?
3: So, if you ask Brandon Crow, who's the play-by-play guy at Utah Valley, I texted him during games last year when he was calling him saying, Utah Valley needs to get out in transition more. Transit, Like, I would send the word transition in full caps to him, and he would say it on the broadcast. Because last year when Utah Valley got out in transition, they were unstoppable. When they got in their half-court sets, the ball got stuck whether a player dribbling too much or not passing to an open – you know, it just – it was awful in the half court. I think that changes this year because you have a team full of guys that aren't superstars, that are Madsen's guys now, that understand what he's trying to do. And now that he's in his second year, he sees what he did wrong or, you know, changes he can make this year. I think it's going to be – a more well-oiled machine because they really haven't had any hiccups with workouts and practices. And um, I think because it's his guys, it'll be a lot more interesting basketball that won't have the lulls that they had in 2019-20.
0: Kyle, there was a lot of changes in uh, WAG basketball during the offseason. We saw a lot of players transferring out, a lot of players transferring in. Isaiah White, uh, one of those players who transferred out from Utah Valley to USC, Terrell Brown from Seattle U to Arizona. So both going to Power 5 schools, but then coming in, uh, you, you mentioned Asbjorn Midgard from Wichita State going to GCU. And uh, we saw the kid from uh, UNLV starter last year that uh, went to New Mexico State. So it's going to be a, a lot of new new faces, especially early on, trying to figure out uh, how, how each team's going to look this year, isn't it?
3: Well, it, the thing is, with the division, with the guys that come from division one schools, I mean, at CBU, you had Gorjok Gak, you have Elijah Thomas, you know, Gak came from, uh, from Florida. Elijah Thomas came from St. Mary's. You know, they got Russell Barlow from TCU. Utah Valley has Evan Cole from Georgia tech. I mean, there's division one transfers and I don't think there's going to be a lull for those guys because they understand how to compete at this level. They understand what's expected with workouts and being leaders and, um, playing at a high level. I think it, it'll be interesting to see the Juco guys. I know Utah Valley's full of them. Um, you know, it, and there's some freshmen that I'm interested to see how they do this year. You know, Malik Wade at CBU. Um, Tejon Sawyer down at CBU as well. You got Jaden Stone and Liam Lloyd at GCU. Uh, Lou, I want to say his name is Lou Haymuth. I hope I s- Say that What's right from Luxembourg at Chicago big, State. Big Lou. The Big Lou, right. The seven-footer. I mean, you you heard Lance Irvin in WAC Media days how high he was on Big Lou. And so I, I want to see what they do. Seattle has five freshmen that they're very high on right now. I mean, it's exciting with the – that it's not – the conference isn't just full of Division One transfers or JUCO transfers. There's actually freshmen that are coming in and going to have an immediate impact on this conference this year. And we've, we haven't seen that in years past. I mean, two years ago, Wyatt Lowell won whack freshman of the year, and he didn't even average six points a game. Last year you had Javon Blackshear, who was really the only freshman that was playing significant minutes in the conference. This year you're going to see a lot more freshmen that – We'll have a choice to pick as WAC Freshman of the Year, and so I'm really excited about that opportunity. And you know, it, it's it's going to be a fun conference this year.
1: All right, Colin, putting you on the spot. Break <laughs> down what you think your standings are going to look like for men's basketball come the end of the season.
3: Oh my goodness, we I was talking I was talking with Paul Coro about this the other day and or last night when we were talking. And there's such a right now, at least right now. There's such a drastic gap between third and fourth in this conference. I feel like that it's so hard to pick the rest of it. I know that. Oh goodness, this isn't fair, Rachel. I'm. I'm gonna admit <laughs> it's fair. Um, I still think New Mexico State will end up on top. I, I just think with Jabari Rice, Clayton Henry, Johnny McCants, you know, adding Donnie Tillman to that mix. Plus, you got, you know, a couple of freshmen in Rashawn Agee, Um, And there's the other one from uh, – what's his name? Marcus Watson, who was, you know, recruited by Oklahoma State. He'll be there. So, I still think New Mexico State's there. GCU has the depth to compete. I, I don't know that they're going to knock him off, but – it it wouldn't surprise me if they did because of the depth that they have and the size that they have. I don't think they've had the size before to match up with the Aggies. UTRGV, I think with Javon Levi, Jeff O'Cherry, and the rest of that group where he has probably the most experienced team, Blue Hill does, don't be surprised because they play helter-skelter and they can create problems for teams. Like we've seen it before and they can create problems. I think – CBU fans and Utah Valley fans might not like me after this, but I think Seattle will be there at four. I think, you know, then it comes to CBU and and Utah Valley. I, I think Chicago State will still be down there at the bottom just because, no offense, Chicago State fans, it's just Chicago State right now, and they have to prove that, you know, they're better than they are. But the wild cards are Tarleton and Dixie. What do they do? You know, because – CBU, I know when they came in two years ago, nobody really expected them to do what they did. And then they go and knock off New Mexico State in their first whack game. So I'm, it's so hard. That, that's, I'll go with the top three for sure, but the rest of it I, I can't say because there's a lot of question marks there. I will say this, though. So it's ironic that in Dixie State's first whack game, they host New Mexico State at the Burns Arena, mm-hmm. right? The last time New Mexico State played a first-year WAC program on the road to open WAC season was California Baptist, and we know what happened there. So I just want to say it's ironic. Plus, the Aggies don't get, like, three four months of practice up to that point. So who's to say what could happen? I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs>
0: Well, the, the thing is, that was the last time they lost in the WAC was that CBU game two years ago. So it's been a, a long time, and I'm sure Chris James will remind his players. Johnny McCance was on that team. There might yeah. be a few other guys that were a part of it that uh, I'm sure he'll put that in their minds. But the difference this year, Kyle, not only do they play them Friday night, they're going to play them again Saturday night. So that's going to be a different wrinkle on the, uh, the WAC season this year.
3: I think it'll be fun to watch that because <laughs> – you know, the, the you have to play them back-to-back, obviously, but who makes the adjustments that are necessary to win that second night? Like, perhaps Dixie State loses by 30 on Friday night, comes back and beats the Aggies the next night. Like, it, it's all about making adjustments on the fly because you don't have the same kind of preparation, you know, around or you don't have to travel. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun because adjustments are what make or break a, a good team and – a good coach, and I, I'm going to love watching that because there's so many variables at play in, in that regard.
1: It's going to be a fun season. I'm so excited for it to get started. Women's basketball, though, Kyle, I'm going to put you on the spot again. We know Utah <laughs> Valley and CBU were picked by the coaches and media, but who are you picking? Oh,
0: you can see the sweat coming down <laughs> his, his forehead.
3: I, I want to say CBU just because of the fact that they returned three starters plus plus black player of the year, and a um, or it's a preseason whack player of the year, excuse me. I think Utah Valley has some depth. Um, it, it's just a matter of it, are they buying into what Dan Nielsen's cooking? Those two teams, I think, are above everyone else just because of what they have returning. New Mexico State has to answer, you know, who's going to step into Gia Pac's shoes. Same with Seattle, who's going to step into Kamir Sanders' shoes. UTRGV will be there because of Mark Graham. I like. When we talked to her at WAC Media Days, I loved her mentality, and I think she's a great leader that will help UTRGV be there as well. So what Danielson and what Jared Olson said both about there's parity in this conference, the preseason you know, standings don't matter, I think that's very true on the women's side this year, and I think it'll be a lot more competitive than the men's side, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I think what four or five teams got mm-hmm. first place votes in the uh, coaches or media poll. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, the New Mexico State, uh, I was looking at that the other day where Gia has gone, but two through seven are back. So, right. you know, they're picked fourth. But Utah Valley mentioned the depth, CBU getting mm-hmm. Brittany Thomas back and yep. Ane Oleda, Um I probably mispronounced her name
1: again. Ane Oleda,
0: yes. <laughs> uh, preseason player of the year. And then well, uh, Caitlin Harper back too, so they – they have some players back. So that'll be very interesting to see. Think the
3: about the New Mexico State women just for one second, where yeah. two years ago they lost Brooke Solace. Right. Then they struggled with, you know, and then they struggled last year, not the kind of season that they're usually accustomed to. Maybe this year, by having a group of players instead of that one star player, Brooke Atkinson's team may surprise people and get back to that winning championship style team that they usually have.
0: And they did have to play that, what, about month, month and a half without Gia at the end of the year when when she got hurt. So, yeah, some other players stepped up. So, it will be very interesting to see, Kyle. We want to thank you for taking some time out uh, and visiting with us. Rachel and I, like we've always said, can't wait for basketball to start.
3: It's going to be fun. I have my computer screen set up so that, you know, I can pull on the Pac-12 network and stream games on, you know, next Wednesday and... Um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm hoping to create more fan interaction as we, you know, get going the season. It, 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 it's fun that it's finally here. Hopefully, you know, it stays that way that what was it Dan rabbit, the NCAA senior VP, you know, said that games will start on November 25th, despite all the, I'm sorry, some of the, my media colleagues trying to push for conference only games now with all the outbreaks, but, it's good that there's a, you know, it's been said they're going to start November 25th. So let's get it going and let's go have some fun.
0: Yeah. And, and no doubt there's going to be some pickups here and there. We saw that we've seen that with football quite a bit this year. And Rachel's, Rachel's a bubble veteran. So she knows all about uh, all, all the uh, postponements and those kind of things as well.
1: Yep. I know what the Aggies are going to be looking forward to. So.
0: Well, thanks again, Kyle. When we come back, uh, we're going to have Rachel's interviews with UTRGV head coach Lou Hill and Javon Levi, plus GCU women's coach Molly Miller and freshman Katie Scott. You're listening to the WAC Podcast.
2: Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference, and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com.
0: Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner and Rachel V. Hill with you. Rachel, you had a chance to talk with UTRGV head coach Lou Hill and their star point guard Javon Levi at the WAC Basketball Preview.
1: Javon Levi, the two time Defensive Player of the Year here in the WAC. A great player, fantastic coach. Lou Hill said plenty of great things about him there, too. And just talking about the chemistry and how they're going to get up and rolling for the season is a good conversation. Steve, Javon just joined in. Javon, how are you? Oh, yeah. how you doing? I'm doing well. We'll wait for Coach Lou Hell. Oh, there he is. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm
4: good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Obviously, different times this year. How is basketball training different this season than other years?
4: Well, the COVID makes it different. <laughs> you know, you're just hoping people stay safe and – you never know, you know, from day to day, you never know who you have.
1: Javon, from you and your players, how is training different for you?
5: Um, just the whole process, you know, like normally we come down in the summer, you know, we get to start early, but this year we had to come down pretty late and you got to go through all these different protocols. So it's just different challenges. And I just say it's just pretty much different all around.
1: What are the testing protocols like, like at UTRGV?
4: Uh getting tested gosh, once a week. We're getting tested once a week. So every Monday we get tested.
1: Very nice. And how do you feel like the team's chemistry is doing, Coach?
4: It's coming on. You know, we just little little behind, but we will catch up. It's a lot of people around the country that's a little behind as well, and probably a lot of people in the conference that's a little behind. But we have uh Great leadership with Javon and we have a lot of older veteran players. I won't call them old, we'll just say veteran players, but and we haven't changed much. You know, we are who we are. So in that in that respect, we're good.
1: As for a non-conference schedule, coach, we haven't seen anything from your team yet. Can you give us a little bit of insight of who you'll be playing?
4: But Jonah hasn't put it out yet. Not out yet. Uh, I don't know if Jonah wants me to put it out. Ask Jonah.
1: <laughs> I wish I could, but I'll guess I'll leave with that. Is there any teams that you were playing originally non-conference that are sticking around?
4: Yes, we were playing Texas A&M, uh, UTSA, and we're we're still playing them. I didn't want to. I don't want to give it out yet. They haven't released it, so I don't want to give everything out. But we have a good non-conference.
1: Good to hear. And, Javon, for you, you were named preseason first-team all-WAC. Last year, you led the WAC in steals and assists, but you did not make the first-team all-WAC. How does that chip motivate you going into the season?
5: Uh, Well, it definitely motivated me to head into my senior season. But, you know, it's just the main goal at task, which is win the WAC championship. I think as long as you win, everything else will take care of it.
1: For this season, what will it take to win the WAC championship?
5: Consistency, we got to be able to respond to adversity this year. You know, try to remain as consistent as we can. Come I in every day and work hard because it's an everyday grind that leads up to the championship.
1: And with the graduations of forward Leslie Varner and guard Jordan Jackson, how do you take on more of a leadership role this year?
5: Uh, just being more vocal, um, helping the guys. I mean, we all, like Coach said, a lot of us played together last year. So, I mean, we all know what Coach expects. So it's just you know being being a motivator whether I got to get on my teammate or being a motivator, but also holding myself more accountable first.
1: You were taking a lot of alley oops from those two players for the past couple of years. Who will be on the other side of those alley oops this year?
5: Uh, I think we'll have a lot of people on the other side. We got Malik. Oh, we got uh, Mary, Krista. Get up. We got Big Jeff now. Sean gonna catch him and gonna catch him. Rob. Yeah, we got a lot of people that can get up here and catch some lob this year. I think
1: it'll be fun. We'll look forward to seeing that. And then, Coach, for you, this year you're the longest tenured coach that we have in the WAC, being here from five years. How have you seen the conference grow?
4: Oh, I've seen teams leave and I've seen teams come in. But the teams that are coming in and the coaches that are coming in are really, really good coaches. So um, the league is getting better and tougher. <laughs>
0: So UTRGV will open up the season November 25th at Texas, and that's going to be on the Longhorn Network for those of you who have uh, availability there, but that'll be a fun one to watch.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a really good game. And to start it off, really, November 25th, that match, I think it's going to set the tone for the rest of the season for the Vaqueros.
0: Now, you also had a chance to talk with Molly Miller, the brand-new head coach for the GCU women's basketball Mm -hmm. program, and Katie Scott, a freshman, uh, was their player that they had On our zoom calls and we're kind of thinking well a freshman that's kind of interesting but uh, she was very impressive
1: so impressive and i even put out a tweet after saying that i was so impressed with the way she handled herself and her leadership abilities coming in as just a freshman and just at the foundation that coach miller has created there you can tell that the players are truly buying into the system and yeah this is probably one of my favorite interviews from preview day so definitely stick around and listen to it we're gonna welcome in the new head coach for women's basketball program at GCU, Molly Miller, along with freshman Katie Scott. Ladies, can you hear me?
6: We can, can you hear us? I can, yes, how is everyone? We're doing well. Katie, she got a nice morning workout today, so she's probably a little bit more awake than the rest of us, but that's all good.
1: Katie, I, I wanna start with you actually. You played post, you also played point guard in high school. Where do you feel most effective?
2: That's a tough question that I get asked all the time and haven't really determined a great answer for. I think that I am going to fit best wherever I'm needed. I think that's always been my specialty is just filling the spot that's desired, um, whatever the team needs is just what I want to do.
1: Coach, you don't have positions listed on the roster. What's the idea behind that?
6: Um, There's really no method behind that madness. I just need to figure out where every player like fits in the system. Um, kind of one of the nice things about our system is we're pretty positionless. So, you know, the way we fly around on defense, the way we play in a motion offense, it's like you could be on the perimeter or you could be down low. You could be rotating to a guard. Uh, Katie could guard a point guard sometimes if she had to at our rotation. So um, we are a little positionless, but I'm sure we'll figure out kind of, you know, where everyone kind of belongs in the system. Uh, the more we get into games and practice
1: coach a lot of players want to know what's that non-conference schedule looking like what can you tell us about it
6: gosh that thing has been a working document for about five months now it seems but um you know we're trying we're narrowing in on some things we just we need some contracts signed you know with the COVID situation always—it's very fluid. Um, but hopefully, in the, in the short term here, we're going to get something on paper and get it out. We've got a few more holes to fill, just communicating back and forth with some teams. But um, I'm anxious for it just as much. So trust me, that we're trying to um, get that one out to everyone and, and find our finally our complete schedule.
1: Katie, you were the Gatorade Player of your of the year, of the year, excuse me, in Missouri. You commit to play at Ray with Coach Miller then she comes to GCU. How hard was it to make the decision to follow
2: her? Um, That was probably the toughest decision I've made in my short 18 years of life, just because I'd found a really comfortable place and I knew a lot of the girls, but I also knew that I would always regret not trying it. Um, I have a lot of faith in Coach Miller and it's already paid off and I know that I made the right decision, but at the time it was very stressful, um, especially in the middle of a pandemic not being able to visit. It was just um, a super stressful situation but I'm happy that I made the decision I did. You said it's already paid off. Why has it? Um, Just ever since I've gotten here everything that I've been told about the school, the program, Coach Miller is true and so much better than I could have imagined. Um, You know the girls have welcomed me with open arms. I didn't know what to expect but I've been so happily surprised by the girls that are here and I love all the coaches and it's really a paradise here so I couldn't ask for anything better than beach weather in the middle of October.
1: So you're telling me that you like the weather a little bit better than in Missouri?
2: (laughs) Yes I like that it's a little bit more predictable than Missouri's fluctuation.
1: Coach what about for you are you enjoying the weather more? Oh,
2: yeah.
6: Both Katie and I came, and you're we like, we go to a resort every day. There's pools and palm trees on campus. It's like I walked out yesterday. It was perfection, that weather. I'm like, if I have to deal with a little bit of warm summers, I can deal with perfect weather for the next eight, seven, eight months for sure.
0: <laughs> Rachel, I can't wait to see Katie Scott in action. Missouri uh, Gatorade Player of the Year, and it uh, seems like that uh, she she has a lot going on there. And uh, for a player who plays in the post but also knows how to pass and and can spread the ball around a little bit. They could be a fun team to watch this year.
1: They, I think they are going to be a very fun team to watch, and I'm excited. You know, we kind of joked with Coach Miller how she doesn't have positions listed on her website quite yet uh, for all her players, and she's like, you know, I'm just kind of trying to figure it out. But really, none of them have positions. They all have to be able to rotate around and be able to just figure out where the ball is and the best way to get in the back of, or in the net. So, uh, really great. But I'm really excited to see that team come out and play on November 25th.
0: Yeah, and I remember Billy Gillespie said that as well for uh, Tarleton. He doesn't list positions. I think he tries to uh, get in the heads of the other coaches a little bit when he does that, too. So that might be a, uh, an added side effect there. I want to thank our guest today, Kyle McDonald from WAC Hoops Digest. And we want to thank you for listening to the WAC Podcast.
2: Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.